Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. The podcast that takes you from Seattle to Tokyo, all the way across the Pacific Rim, the Pacific Ocean, to Tokyo's leading author, historian, and journalist. Did I say Tokyo? I meant all of Japan and all of my friend, Fumi Saito. How are you, Fumi? Hello from Tokyo. Hello. Now it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Yeah, let's do yeah, let's do this every week. <laughs> hey, have you, how have you been? Are things? Are I'm you, good. Are, are yeah. you getting Are you getting out more? Yeah, I'm work. Yeah, working and also teaching and writing. Yeah, they're all all of above. And you got a social life, so that's good. Not so much. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, social life. Yeah, uh, not so much. But it's okay. You know, I get to go to wrestling match every weekend. And this coming Sunday is historical New Japan and Stardom combined show at this new Ariake Arena. It's not Difa Ariake or, or that uh, Ariake Coliseum they had, but this is a new building, Ariake Arena. They built it for Tokyo Olympic, you know, two, two summers ago. Right. We saw yeah. a Noah show at the old... Different. Difa, Difa, yeah. that place is gone. Right. Gone. Yeah. It no longer exists. They, they tore it down. Right. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the the whole Ariake and Odaiba area is still, you know, building. It's half, you know, half real land and half landfill, and it's so, it's like a so twenty first century, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you are going to be there at the show live. Yeah, this Sunday. Yes, I I will. So maybe we can do a show afterwards. Right after. Get sure. your thoughts on the show, being there, live as opposed to watching it. The rest of us. On right. I'll, I'll take panel. note, and also I I do the. I'm, I'm gonna attend all those you know backstage interview right after the matches, like the title matches, and the the IWGP Women's Title will be determined. And I heard they are putting Iwatani and Kyrie saying Kyrie match. Uh, at last, you know the main event, women's match, main eventing, after you know, you know, New Japan guys match. That's that's pretty new for New Japan's, you know, like well, I was gonna say mentality, but uh, you know what I'm saying? That's unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. So it's like very, very, you know, liberal way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Now, whomever they put the belt on, Kyrie yeah. or Mayu. Yeah. Do you expect to see? more crossover shows on a regular basis I don't really know at all about that because new japan hasn't announced anything uh, you know what to do with iwgp women's bell after this you know this big show is iwgp women's title be part of stardom you know shows or whenever new japan has big show that the, the champion you know at the time IWGP women champion come in and have uh, just challenger so so they can have one women's match in, in between men's match or uh, they really haven't announced anything about that yet but I just can't see Stardom wrestler being on New Japan card regularly though really I mean I can see it if there's a major New Japan show in the United States oh yeah of course and also like a you know, like a Wrestle Kingdom Tokyo though Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be curious. It, it, will, it will probably be more utilized in, in in overseas market, you know, like New Japan Strong, 
and uh, New Japan, you know, running those Dallas or you know Florida or North Carolina or you know those New York City, that those combined shows, other company, or even on AEW, you know, TV. Yeah, for those who, who maybe have never heard the show, we've talked about this before. Yeah, women's wrestling is its own thing in Japan. In Japan, yeah, women's wrestling in Japan was never ever part of men's company, really. Right. It had its own history. Women's wrestling in Japan had its own history, own evolution. Always been in the promoted as just women only group. You know, and it goes all the way back to like 1948. Yeah, and it's had its own major stars. Oh, of course, of course. You know, I think a lot in of fact, fans. Yeah, in fact, that the the first show I just mentioned, 1948, women's card in, in Tokyo. It's even before it was you know, there was Ricky Dozen. Did you know that? I guess 1948, you're right. That yeah, word. Ricky Dozen doesn't start until like 1951. Yeah. Yeah. So he was there. And also, Ricky Dozen, you know, coming from sumo background and sumo culture, it brought in a lot of sumo culture and customs that they just the women's wrestling and the men's wrestling just don't mingle. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But then again, in this country, in Japan, women's sumo wrestling goes all the way back to like 1600s. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a crazy, crazy idea. You know, 17th, you know, 17th century. But uh, there was such thing as some women's sumo wrestling, which was completely separate from men's sumo wrestling. But then, I mean, I think a lot of fans either experienced or have seen uh, all Japan women's wrestling from the 90s and yeah, so old, old, old japan women's been popular since late 60s right it broke out from japan you know, women japan women's wrestling uh, and then and created all japan you know, matsunaga brothers created all japan women's wrestling in 1968 then signed with channel 8 cha that the channel channel 8 fuji television in 1969 then they've been on network television with network budget so it's a completely separate entity from men's wrestling and like I said, it's its own level of popularity, wrestling matches, so. very physical, very athletic. And also like a pop idol nature to it too, you know, yeah. from Maha Fumiyake to Beauty Pair, Jackie Sato, Maki Ueda, to all the way to Jaguar Yokota, the Devil Masami, the Crash Girls, you know, Lioness Asuka and Chigusa Nagayo. Then Bonakano Ajakang era has always been popular. Well, in many there was ups and downs, but uh, always existed, completely separate from men's wrestling. Well, I think it had its own audience too. Many fans were blown away in the '80s when WWF brought in the Jumping Bomb Angels. Right, right. You know, yes, it, it completely changed the perception of what women's wrestling looked like because what you had was Fabulous Muller, Muller and her opponent forever. Right. Yeah, then before Fabulous Muda, there was Mildred Bark. But Mildred Bark came to Japan in 1951 and planted a seed and trained Japanese women. So there was a link in history, yes. I, by the way, on a side yeah. note, I always vote for Mildred Burke for the Observer Hall of Fame. Always Mildred Burke. Yeah, oh, she's not in it? No. Oh. No, you don't. This year was interesting because, you know, you always could, you know, limit everything into 10 candidates, right? And all of a sudden, this year was 18 candidates. Yeah. Yeah, so. And all those I, tag yeah, teams. 
Then I voted people like Hayabusa or Yoshiaki Fujiwara, that you know, a couple more Japanese superstars in in, in, in historical. Yeah, it's really hard to pick even eighteen. You know. Yeah. No. It's this year was the biggest challenge in a long time. So it was hard. Yeah, I um I I voted Adrian Danis and Jesse Ventura combination in there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of personal almost, but uh, their name was in there. It's like, oh, I gotta vote this. Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> you saw it firsthand. Yeah, and also they were significant that uh, in how AWA was. You know, you have Vern Gagne, the Mad Dog Vashon, the Crusher, the you know the Baron Von Raschke. That's like all seniors, right? It really was the Adrian Adonis and Jesse, Jesse Venture. They really changed that, you know, in the dressing room. They were the first kind of young guys who had the titles. Time, yes. Yeah, I guess other than the uh, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel, but they were kind of, <laughs> yeah, they have the, right, the, li- the Gagne lineage kind of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Vern Gagne and Mad Dog against Adrian Adonis, Jesse Venture matches were pretty good, actually. Well, Adonis was amazing. Oh, yeah. He was in the ring like 80% of the time taking bumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right when I started taking photos in ringside, and I'm not even a photographer, but, uh, you know, some, you know, when you start, you have, have to carry camera, right? And uh, I told you this before. It's like these guys are wrestling like three feet from me, you know? And it's like I was so amazed. You'll always be a fan. Well, let's very quickly let's run down, kind of preview yeah. this uh, this historic crossover. IWGP yeah. US title, Will Osprey against the returning Shota Umino. Yeah, and he looks like superstar already. Yeah, he does. He looks great. I don't know about yeah. that roughneck name, but whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, but it's not going to be forever, you know. That the when he comes back and. He- go through a different program, you know, for people to, you know, recognize him as like a complete new star, you know, but he has a good start. Yeah. And then also in his last match with yeah. New Japan, Great yeah. Muda teams with Toriano and Okada taking on Great Okan, Aaron Hanare, and Jeff Cobb. Yeah, yeah. That's a... Uh, that's quite a group on the other side for Muda yeah. to be facing. He's he's facing some some bulls over on the other side. And also great Muta is like a, he, he you know, he's almost like he has no boundary, you know. He can look like the pro he's a pro wrestling or superstar now, but he can be New Japan superstar because he was, and he can be all Japan type superstar. This is great Muta, much like Ric Flair, that he is his. You know, he's what it is. And uh, it's not exactly fit into one company no longer. He's just a great Muta is, and Keiji Muto is, was a, is and was the star of the decade. So, well, it, in fact, three decades, yeah. Well, I mean, it only makes sense that New Japan would want him to show up considering he is a key part mm-hmm. of a lot of their... And yeah, also like New Japan alumni. Yeah. yeah. I mean, has a connection with... with Hiroshi Tanahashi too. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the 90s in New Japan. I mean, the early 2000s, you're definitely talking about Great Muda. He's right in there. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and then because he's great Muta, he can be doing this uh, long retirement tour thing with a, a, you know different company and different people. But you know, you, you have January first Nippon Budokan great Muta against Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh my gosh, right? Right. Then you you know then you'll have. Three weeks later, favorite at the, the January 22nd at Yokohama Arena. You have people like Sting, you know, and uh, yeah. Then you have February 22nd, the, the final show at the Tokyo Dome. That because it's Muto, Keiji Muto and Great Muta, that these things are all taking place. Well, does it, has it sold out? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't say, you know, but... Uh, you think it will? Announced, yeah. They are not going to announce anything that the, as far as lineup and the details, you know, about the Tokyo Dome card until after this January 1st thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because right now it's important to focus on Shinsuke Nakamura against Great Muta, final match. You know, right. at, at the Great Muta final, you know. And, uh, yeah. We have and enough. It's a dream card in itself, right? Right. We'll talk about yeah, that. Because it's a... Two different generations of a New Japan superstar, or Japanese superstar, you know, for that matter. We can talk about that uh, later on. Let's just focus on some of the big matches and the mixed matches on this crossover okay, show. There's Tanahashi yeah. and Utami taking on yeah. Hiroki Goto and Maika. Yeah. That should Very be good. Interesting. Yeah, that should be good. I mean, you got some pretty heavy inners in Tanahashi. And Utami, yeah. I'll say that. Then you've yeah. got... Yeah, really. Yeah. But the, the rule is, you know, the male competitor and female competitor don't wrestle with each other. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But the, the basic rule is when the male comes in, you have to tag out. You know, when female comes in, you have to tag in, tag out. What's the point? But the, the basic rule is. But, the, yeah, that... The, physical contact will occur, yeah. You think that there will be some contact between the women and men during matches? Of course, you know, it's the whole point. But they haven't announced it because, you know, the rule says that the female wrestler and male wrestlers don't have, you know, contact. Right. <laughs> Means there are going to be. Right. Yeah. Alrighty, and then... Um, like the referee's saying, Referee saying, don't come in, means come on in, right? Exactly. Then they've got another... <laughs> interesting, we just uh, leave it to all our uh, uh, imagination that they are saying that there's not going to be any physical contact. That means there will be. They've got another... They've got a four-person mixed match with Natsupoi, Tam Nakano, Kanemaru, and Taichi taking on Desperado. That's arrow moves and... Uh, Japanese version of Lucha Libre. Right. right? Yeah. You've yeah. got Doki, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. So, yeah. that should be a good match. Yeah, and then the female wrestler giving big, huge crossbody onto male wrestlers. I mean, right. You just have to think. Yeah. One would think that Starlight Kid is going to do some tactics. Can expect that. Maybe Tam Nakano with some kind of. Yeah, and then everybody else on the floor, and somebody's flying out of you know, top turnbuckle onto the floor. Right. <laughs> I think you're right. 
And then I guess, according to Brian, Brian Alvarez, Filthy Tom Lawler, very excited to be teaming Missouri, yeah. taking on Zack Sabre Jr. and Julia. I mean, Tom Lawler, Submission. he's in there with uh, with some star power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Siri is your female, you know, UFC you yeah. know, competitor, and uh, she'll be kicking and doing submissions and punching and yeah, and male or female. Yeah, that's a very that'll be a fun match. That, I think that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I mean, being that Zack Saber Jr. always brings it, never has a bad match if ever. So, and also we'll be doing a very unique grappling. There'll be some uh, female wrestlers. There'll be some uh, stardom matches, some New Japan matches, mm -hmm. and some other things. And then the kickoff is going to be a stardom Rambo. Yeah. So that probably means we'll get some appearances by who knows whom. Probably some cameos. Isn't yeah, it? and even male wrestler in between. Right. I mean, we've seen that on other stardom shows whenever they have a yeah. Rambo-type match. And the whole point of having this you know, Rambo-type battle royal is that they're not going to announce the order, you know, who's going to come next. It's also, you know, leave it to your suspense. You know, so right. It'll be interesting who's going to come out next. Yeah, there'll be, like I said, there'll be some cameos. It'll be, uh, it'll be a lot yeah. of fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That a great opener. When is that? So the Stardom show is when in Japan? Yeah. What day is it's it's uh, Sunday in Japan? Yeah, uh, actually, Stardom has Saturday show in Osaka and travels back to Tokyo the following morning and go right into Ariake Arena on Sunday. Those guys are always touring. Yeah, well, because. Stardom basically runs shows on weekends. Yeah. And during the week, they just work out. You know, they just cut off this old-fashioned house shows on the weeknights. Yeah, they really, you've really, yeah. you can tell. That's, that's, that's probably how they, they should run wrestling, you know, wrestling company, today's wrestling company. It'll be on the weekends, the big shows oriented. They and rest then, up during the week. And then work together as a troupe during the week. Yeah. I mean, you can really tell with stardom shows how fluid they all work together and they're all on the same page yeah. by and that right training. Right now, like a big roster. Yeah, for stardom. Yeah, like over 40. Yeah. yeah. 45 wrestlers. Much like, so it's very similar to New Japan. Yeah. That's another reason I can't see all, all kinds of combined show be happening because New Japan has its own roster and own, you know, very loyal fan base and Stardom has, you know, their own big, huge roster right now and also very, very loyal fan base. Some fans overlap, of course, but New Japan is much like WWE. It's like a WWE universe. So it's the New Japan world, I call it. And Stardom also has their very loyal fan base. Stardom world. Is there any risk of alienating a fan base by doing this show? Uh, a fan against fan, yes. But uh, 
company is, you know, two companies are doing it to make a win-win situation. That's business, right? Yeah, I would think, but I was just curious, given yeah. Japanese culture. Oh, like actually, actually, wrestlers resenting each other. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. It just should be limited to like a real big show occasion, you know, like a special occasion. Right. Yeah, because New Japan has its calendar year. You know, you have. At the Tokyo Dome to a New Year Dash to a, the, the Japan Cup to Lucha Libre Show to a Tag Team Tournament, G1 Climax, and this and that. And Stardom also has, you know, Cinderella Tournament or, or that, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it just had a single a single tournament. Now Tag Team Tournament's going. The GP Tournament? Sumo Palace Show. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, speaking of that, you mentioned that. Their own calendar year. Like your SummerSlam time or your Survivor Series to, you know, uh, Extreme Rules to, your, you know, the Royal Rumble. It's just, they got their calendar year going. So, Speaking of the calendar year, it is now yeah. tag team tournament season in Japan. Yeah. Yes. Old Japan already started. It's a real tag team tournament. Old Japan. Yeah. And Stardom already started the tag team tournament now new japan has two sets of tag team tournament world tag league and super tag uh, uh super junior no super junior tag league right and yeah. 10 team each it's like a 20 team going in for you know like a two weeks period it's all tournament matches a really really heavy roster in that too yeah this year looks Who's pretty good on the world world tag league what was that? Uh, who, who's your favorite in New Japan's World Tag League? <sighs> Sanada and Naito? You know, you figure if they're going to challenge at, at uh, Tokyo Dome, it's probably got to be Sanada and Naito, right? That's how, that's, that's how they want you to think. You know, there's right. always got to be some upset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there always could be. Upsets, I guess, but you've got to find something for Naito and Sonata to do um, in the tournament. But, you know, we already have. Or they might be elevating new tag team, you know. I guess yeah, like it's possible. Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis or Hinata and Greg you know, Okan together, you know, and then. See, Lance Archer, Minoru Suzuki is always dark horse, but uh, they'll be making lots of points in between. They may not win it, but uh, Lance Ar having Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki in there, that'll, you know, that's, you know, yeah, they, they will do lots, lots of upsets so that the point will be pretty even all the way until the end. Right. All the teams, yeah. You know, the matches are always good, but yeah. because... Particularly in New Japan, there's not a lot of focus on tag team wrestling. Yeah. I just have a hard time getting excited. Oh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, you know, it's a single match oriented. IWGP, you know, singles title, yeah. and the US IWGP US title, and and yeah. I mean, in stardom. It's Right. There's more focus I, I, on tag teams. Right. It's almost seem almost secondary. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, I can see that. 
with all Japan, it's like they don't have the biggest roster, so it's almost forgivable. But yeah, with yeah. New Japan, it's just like they've got talent. I wish they put more focus on some tag teams from time to time. Yeah, tag team divisions, right? That's and, why I, I like team like Yoshitatsu, you know, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. Yeah. It's like a tag team specialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The same way, Lance Ocha and Minoru Suzuki, you know, not on focal point, but uh, yeah, they always kind of, they're interesting team. But yeah. sure enough that the Sanada and Naito seem like the favorite, huh? One would think if they're going to face FTR or whomever at Tokyo Dome, one would, one would think that they, that they are the favorites, but what do I know? Uh, Maybe Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, you know, the, those those are the ones that work as a you know tag team unit, really, really um, cohesive unit. Other teams are like put together, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing. I mean, think about the Tanahashi and the Toriano. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you don't think they're gonna win. Yeah, or, or, or a team like Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols, they're a tag team. Right. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what. And see what happens. We, we have to think that Shane Hayes and Michael, you know, Mikey Nichols, no more with WWE, and they look like they are under New Japan contract, so they may have plan for those guys. Hey, speaking of that, Dave Meltzer is yeah? reporting that Jonah has got an offer from, from WWE, WWE if he wants it. Well. That's wrestler's decision. You know? Right. But I mean, do you um, think, is he doing well yeah, enough? Okay. If, if, okay, people like Jay White or Will Ospreay sign with WWE, what are they going to do? I think they're going to put, you know, Jay White into NXT or something, right? I guess they could. Will Ospreay, I think Will Ospreay is New Japan, New Japan superstar all the way, you know, because he's really committed. But, uh, what what if somebody like Will Ospreay goes into WWE? I think they will make Ospreay like somebody like the very same treatment with like Ricochet. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, there's the I comparison. Don't think WWE recognize that the, the Will Ospreay is like being very very special, you know. And also wrestlers are, I mean, like like these are living creature that you know. They shine in certain environments. And Will Ospreay would be much bigger star in Japan than elsewhere. Does it make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like Vader was much bigger star in Japan. Much than bigger. wherever he went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scott Norton was much bigger star in, in, in Japan than he was with like WCW. That's true. Yeah. But you never know. See... Shinsuke Nakamura decided to leave, you know, and went to, you know, he moved, you know, he packed up and moved to, you know, Florida, and he's with WWE for the past six years, and he hasn't really fallen from, like, I mean, he is still in main event status. Not much on, you know, I mean, but not a WWE, you know, championship program, but he is always on television. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, whereas Kenta is much bigger star in Japan. 
Yeah, so it's really hard, you know. But Will Ospreay is very committed that I think he will be, I think, bigger star than Jay White. Probably. I would think so. Because Will Ospreay is is different. I would argue that Jay White, unfortunately, had to come after, you know, Kenny Omega and looks kind of similar. You know, so he's... He's kind Very of got that also, too. Yeah, it's, uh, everything is timing kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He suffers from timing. Not that he still won't have a great career and is having a well, great career. Really, really good. But uh, yeah. yeah. It's saying that the New Japan has this big, healthy roster. Yeah. The only thing I would say about Jonah. You know, heavy roster, they struggle to go, on, you know, go up to the top, top. The only thing I would say about Jonah is that he's big, but he's not that tall. Right. right. Because, I mean, I've I've interviewed him. I have stood next to him. And he and I are comparable in height. And I'm... Really? I'm 5'11-ish. He's, you know, maybe... Not quite six. Maybe six-ish, something like that. But he's not that tall. I mean, he's big. He's got broad shoulders. He's a he's a horse. But yeah. the WWE presentation, I don't know how big. Yeah, you have to be pretty tall. How, right. Yeah. They've got the big video wall, the big graphics, the big everything. And I just wonder, it's going to be close. He may, yeah. it may but, work, but it also may not work. His style wasn't all that tall. But I mean, when he was in NXT, he did well. But the NXT presentation is not the same as uh-huh. the WWE main roster right. presentation. So that would be, yeah. that would be my only thought. Well, if they decide to make very, very special, you know, special exception with him, yeah, they, could. they got some plan. They could. Yeah. So, so we don't know that. Yeah. They can. He can go in and be like Rhino or something. If That's they, it. That's it. Yeah. But, I don't uh, know if you want to do that. If they, yeah, if they have plans for him, yeah, the height may not be the major issue either. He seems like a very, very nice guy. Good head on his shoulders. He's green though, right? He's been around a few years. In a way. But. Yeah, yeah. But uh, put oh, him no. in a very responsible main event position. And uh, if, if he were to headline T1 Climax or Tokyo Dome King, Wrestle Kingdom or something, that he may not be ready for that position. Well, it takes time to get there. And I mean, yeah, that way. Yeah. But either way. So if he decides to go, he, he'll probably will go, go to WWE. You know, and then if he decides to stay in Japan, he'll work in Japan and then climb the ladder. Either decision. It's all, yeah, the individual choice, right, that they make. But either decision is going to be a commitment on his part. Yes. I'm staying in New Japan. I'm going to WWE. And that way the company will know they can build with him and build a future in theory. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all the best to Jonah. It would be a while for him to be in the Japanese Japan main event, too. That this yeah. roster is so heavy right now. Well, it takes everybody a while. That's always, that's a given. But yeah, it is very heavy. Yeah. Yeah. 
very happy. Including Japanese superstars. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, let's... Uh, uh, we need to talk about the Junya Kiyama now, We right? do, yeah. He's coming to AW on Friday, AW Rampage, teaming yeah. with Takeshita. Yeah, they're showing this video clip of, you know, things and, yeah, Eddie Kingston thing and... Yeah. So for people who don't know, who... About Junya Kiyama? Who's Junya Kiyama? Yeah, because he, he's already a you know thirty year veteran. He debuted in ninety two, so it's he's been doing this for thirty years. And he was not all, all Japan's four pillars guys. That, that you, I'm talking about Misawa, Kobashi, Kawada, and Akira Taue. And uh, we were we used to call Jun Akiyama plus one, uh, like a fifth member of that group. You know, main main part. But I'm not saying he was a fifth. You know, like behind these guys, he was just. Every bit as good as Misawa and Kobashi and Kawada and Taue, yes. And if you remember Pro Wrestling North's Tokyo Dome card, Jun Akiyama and, and Kobashi single match was the main event. Misawa wasn't even involved. He is like he was a college from Senshu University, college uh, amateur wrestling champion. Senshu University, meaning Riki Choshu, that the Hiroshi Hase and Manabu Nakanishi, that well, those are New Japan people. But he was almost ready to you know sign with that uh new japan too right out of college but the giant bible wanted him you know so he debuted who debuted in 92 yuji nagata manabu nakanishi and kendo kashin those were new japan's college wrestling champion three musketeer at the time the same 92 uh september of 92 to be exact akiyama debuted with all japan pro wrestling right out of college and he was his debut match was in in semi-main event, semi-final, a single match against Kenta Kobashi. It's been a debut match, though. So they, as conservative as Jan Baba was as a promoter and the booker and producer, they, he just wouldn't do that kind of booking. But uh, Jun Akiyama had this treatment that he debuted in semi-main event against then superstar Kenta Kobashi. And had like a, almost had like a, 10-year veteran type of match, you know? Some people are good right away. Yeah. So he was good from the start, in your, in your estimation. From the start, yeah, very, very good. And uh, he had a tag team with, with, with Kobashi. He had a tag team program with, with Misawa. And he was with this original group going from all Japan to Pro Wrestling Noah. Yeah. So he was not considered this, you know, four pillars, you know, Misawa and Kobashi and Kawada and, and, and Akira Taue, but Kawada didn't go to pro, pro wrestling nowhere, so Jun Akiyama was right there, and it's like a, almost like a equal to Kenta Kobashi's position. Misawa was like a president and ace and producer and, and, and the face of the company, but right at the beginning of pro wrestling nowhere, 2001, it was Kobashi and Nakayama carrying the company. Very interesting. Well, and also, they were, you and I talked about that, you know, with all Japan pro wrestling, Mrs. Baba, Motoko Baba, pretty much decide what color you can wear. You know, the Misawa will always wear green and silver, green, you know. And Kawada's color is Tenru color, black and yellow. And uh, neon color, orange, always Kobashi's color. And right from the beginning, that 
Mrs. Baba made Ajun Akiyama wear blue trunks and white boots. And right when pro wrestling law started, Akiyama, the first thing he did was change that <laughs> into you know white silver tights and you know white boots, no more blue. You know, so was the, that was his statement. Very interesting. But then again, it's not that they don't get along. That uh, what was interesting that the, when he won the triple crown with Old Japan for the first time, he got a hold of Mrs. Baba and said, "May I wear the PWF belt?" Like he he thought he had to you know need to ask Mrs. Baba that the PWF belt. I mean, there are three belts, right? The, the triple crown. That the PWF belt meant Jan Baba's. Uh, that's something from his house, right? May I wear the, the PWF belt on my waist? It's like, oh wow! It's like you have to ask something, and that kind of relationship you had with Mrs. Baba, you know, everything had to be okayed. But uh, when, you know, there was a, you know, it was like an Orzak, you know, that's why they call it, you know, named their company Pro Wrestling Noor. Everybody got on the boat, you know, everybody, the ring crew, the referee, that the sound guy, that uh, you know, everybody. And everybody's cat and dogs, right? And uh, Akiyama was like a right-hand man to Misawa, and uh, he became a very important figure with all Japan. I mean, uh, pro wrestling lore. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, because I bought the T-shirt, yeah. burning. Yeah. In Japan, I think about. Oh, burning! His... Yeah, it's Akiyama and Kobashi tag team. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very successful. Right. Very successful. I still yeah, have the T-shirt. Yeah, because Misawa and Kobashi tag team, yeah, maybe. And Kawada and probably Akira Taue, yes. And, but, but it was like Akiyama and, and Kobashi tag team really complemented each other, right? Yeah. I mean, similar height, similar build, and younger, and just naturally gifted athlete. They don't do the, the dive and flip and moonsault, but they're a genuine athlete. And, and uh, of course, you know, Akiyama was college wrestling champion and university graduate, very educated and very smart person. And uh, he was every bit behind pro wrestling Noah's evolution as Misawa and Kobashi was. Yeah. And now it's like, for me, it's very interesting that the, Jun Akiyama and, 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 the, and Konosuke Takeshita in the same frame, you know, in the video, you know, the, the clip saying the DDT style, right? So they're talking to Eddie Kingston, and the, Eddie Kingston mentioning that the, he saw a, a Tokyo Dome match from, I believe it was 98, Jun Akiyama against Hiroshi Hase. Oh my gosh, right? And uh, so they really emphasize uh, history, like a piece of history from Japanese wrestling. It's very interesting. American wrestler mentioning it. Well, I mean that era, that era of Japanese wrestling is a is a big deal because both companies were you know pretty strong at the time. Yeah. So it makes sense. And yeah, kind of the glory but days as well. It was like it was before the internet era. Yeah, you know, tape trading. American wrestler, yeah, must have watched these like a. <laughs> VHS videotape or something, right? Yeah. When they were kids. And what's so interesting for me is like, see, Konosuke Takeshita uh, come from a completely different era. This 
this, well, I don't want to say kid, but Konosuke was born in 1995. You know, Akiyama started as a professional wrestler in 92. You know, so he's been doing it before this guy was born, you know, but they were standing side by side. And after All Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah, that Jun Akiyama went back to um, All Japan for, you know, five years or so. Now he's signed with DDT, and now he's a coach and producer, and just he's just another chapter of his wrestling career. And yeah. taking, you know, taking some, somebody like Konosuke Takeshita under in his wing, just so much younger, right? You Konosuke know. Takeshita is a very, very interesting, you know, wrestler because if it was '90s, somebody like uh, Konosuke Takeshita would sign with New Japan or All Japan, huh? Yeah, but uh, he went to when he was in teenage. He's from Osaka. He went to hustle wrestling school in teenage, and he debuted with DDT when he was seventeen. And his debut match was El Generico. Uh, you know, El Generico is what's his name in WWE? Now? Sami Zayn. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Debut match was him. You know, and had oh. Uh, the Konosuke Takeshita, 17-year-old Takeshita, already had very professional-looking match. Not didn't look like a rookie, and also didn't dress like young lions. You know, young lion with like super short hair, no gimmick, no character, black trunks, black boots. I mean, you're not supposed to, you know. I mean, like look like anybody, but that's also a character. But uh, today's rookies don't want to go through this young lion phase. You know that. They want to have ring name. They want to have finish. They want to wear costume. They want to be character. And I, I believe Konosuke Takeshita come from that generation. Every bit talented, though. But they skip. And today's rookies, talented rookie at that, they pretty much skip this lion, you know, young lion period and become somebody pretty much right away. Is that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah. But well, with, you know, Konosuke Takeshita, that the... He's been doing that for 10 years already, you know? Right. Yeah. I so, mean, he, he's gotten over yeah, like... I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm almost hoping that the, that the, he, Konosuke Takeshita will be spending like six months out of the year in the States. He can be much bigger star. He's yeah. been a pretty big he's star. He's, he's gotten over really well to the uh, yeah. AEW audience. He's young enough to learn the language and he'll be bilingual superstar. Yeah. He'll be very so, curious. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, this AEW run will be very curious and very interesting. Yeah. You know, the transfer, uh, Akiyama's switch over from All Japan to DDT was sort of done very subtly. And when I saw this match announced, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, Akiyama's, Akiyama's in DDT. Yeah, or more like sign under Cyberfight and and uh, yeah. big huge streaming company like you know this Abema TV and and uh, Cyber you know Cyber Network thing that it's in the middle of this media change you know to, you know. Wrestling company, well, for that matter, any entertainment company then, but the pro wrestling com company, you know, from this point on, we're probably not going to rely on TV or network money. It will all will be under streaming platform, and uh, every big show will be 
like your in, internet, you know, version of pay-per-view, and people start getting used to paying like forty dollars, fifty dollars watching this at home. You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, and pretty soon, not just ten thousand, but if hundred thousand people sign up and and watch this, it's as if you have you had hundred thousand people in in in, in the stadium. So, in the bastion, in the bastion of Japanese wrestling legends, where do yeah. you, I know you don't like to do this, but sort of quantify where you would put, uh, or where you, you think, yeah, where, where does he belong? Ooh, pretty up there, you know. Right, I I would like to divide, you know, like 80s superstars, 90s superstars, and 21st century superstars. But he's he's right there with Misawa and Kobashi and Kawada. Yes, right. I would say right so too. Yeah, yeah. And a little bit like a couple three years younger than than, than Kobashi. You see, Kobashi, the Kawada, they all retired, you know. But uh, yeah, Akiyama's not young, but she is still every bit as good as you know, he was 10 years ago. Yeah. And also in his, like, that uh, he's in training, you know, that the period or era that he is developing new talent with DDT, you know. His DDT is pretty much, you know, wrestlers are very independent-like mentality, but they got their own dojo. They got their workout. They between DDT and Gamba, Gambari Pro Wrestling, you know, just like they got like four different, that the fa- not the faction, but the separate company under Cyber Fight company you know, organization. So they are making their own league almost. And by having Akiyama, the wrestler, uh, wrestlers with the, those groups are very much so professional now. I mean, don't even come off like independent wrestlers anymore. I would yeah, expect it's very interesting. I would expect yeah. during the match we'll see like an exploder suplex. Probably the yeah, yeah. probably the blue thunder driver. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah. all the trademark spots. Right. But more he will probably be treated more like a living legend, huh? Oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not really thirty, you know, so but I mean, Eddie Kingston's going to want to sell for him, for sure. That's a given. Probably, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because actually, uh, Akiyama's like a 52, you know, this year. Yeah, but still in great shape, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 52, though, yeah. But then again, he's much like maybe like a Chris Jericho, you know, reinventing himself, and he's just as good, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Ortiz is, you know, Kingston's partner. He's going to be great. I mean, he's talented as well, and I'm sure yeah. they'll be happy to sell for the. It's going to be a fun match. It's going to be yeah, and they're showcasing Japanese style. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. gonna they're and gonna play the hits. It's it's Jun Akiyama's, but uh, it's also uh, showcasing Konosuke Takeshita too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because that guy is very, very special. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. He'll be probably will be biggest star in next generation. Yes. How I don't even follow it much. How big of a of a deal in Japan is DDT wrestling? 
it caters to different audience, right? Yeah. It's not mainstream if you call New Japan in pro wrestling or more mainstream, but it really caters to the fans that started watching wrestling after 2000. How's that? Sure. Sort of like AEW. Yeah, because yeah, older fans, well, probably including myself, older fans still have a hard time accepting DDT as major force, you know? Right. But they, in reality, they got real big roster, you know? And younger and talented rookies are choosing DDT over other companies, right. you know? Yeah, like over old Japan or something, yeah. Sure. And fans are that way, too. Well, so they be... don't have this independent stigma to it, you know? It, it will be... real well, too. It will be fun to see uh, Takeshita and Junakiyama face Eddie Kingston yeah. and Ortiz on AEW Rampage. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm yeah, sure a lot of fans so. are. Yeah. And also, this is for the all the international market in English-speaking world, and that's what they need. Yeah. Because there will not be language barrier when... Pro Wrestling No has English commentary and English play-by-play, and New Japan have done that. And Old Japan should have English commentary and, and, and English play-by-play. They can go to America, too. Yeah. Another company. And Stardom, of course, they already have English commentary. Right. And, and they look like Japanese anime, too, right? That's true, too. Yeah, yeah. So very, it'll be very interesting, yeah. Well, look... Uh... Why don't we... It probably is above all Japan now, yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. I guess Juno Akiyama okay. was smart to get out when he did, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a big decision-making for Akiyama to change, you know, this like association, you know, because he's always had this traditional big company, started with all Japan, went to, uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Noah, went back to all Japan. Now he's signed with, you know, DDT with more of a producer role, and, uh, but still going as an active wrestler, too. So this is his new chapter, too. Well, let's cover the Stardom crossover show after you're done yeah. watching it, and we'll do that, talk about... Yeah, and uh, after I come back from that live card, that, uh, let's do another show. Sounds good. Okay. How can uh, people get in touch with you on social? Okay, on Twitter, at FumihikoDayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, or just Fumisaito on Facebook. Please message me first. And you can follow me at Jim Valley on Twitter. Until next time. So long from Tokyo.